0: Hi, I'm Dennis Hester and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Wataga. and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages either through our podcast or on our website. And as you listen to these, our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from his holy word. If you're interested in learning more about the church, you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org. From there, there's a place where you can plan a visit. You can learn more about our beliefs. You can also request prayer through the prayer request page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's word that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation. Whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live, if you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to his word and may the Lord encourage you in your walk. Well, good morning, church family. Those that are here and those that are joining us online, and maybe some who'll join online later in the week as they watch the uh, uh, recording of the worship time. It is a joy to to gather and worship. And man, what a what a couple great worship hymn songs today as we get started. There's a hymn that I want to share with you as I start out my uh, message today. And this, it may be familiar to you. It's a hymn that I learned when I was pastoring at First Baptist Church in May, Texas. And uh, to be real honest, uh, I I hear it sung periodically. We heard it sung at at, uh, the funeral, the memorial service for Tim's mom. And uh, I, when I hear the, the new version that I've heard in recent years sung, I always feel just a little bit cheated, uh, because they, they speed it up, they took a couple words out, and they leave a verse out. And it's a, it's a version that's been made popular by the Gaithers and by Michael English. But uh, I want to share with you uh, the original version, as I learned it, from uh, the Heavenly Highway Hymnal, uh, hymn number 314. Uh, it was always my request, because I love this song. It starts out like this. I dreamed of a city called glory, so bright and so fair. When I entered the gates, I cried, holy, the angels all met me there. They showed me from mansion to mansion, and oh, the sights I saw. But I said, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for all. When I entered the gates of the city, my friends knew me well. They showed me all through heaven. The scenes are too numerous to tell. I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Mark, Luke, and Timothy. But I said, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for me. Then I bowed on my knees and cried, Holy Holy, holy. And I clapped my hands and sang, Glory, glory to the Son of God. Now, there's one more verse I'm going to save for the end of the message because it fits most appropriately there. But this song, I believe it, it it could just as easily have been written by John himself, the writer of the gospel that we're going to be studying. Because John, in everything that he does, in fact, it sounds a little bit like some of the things that he wrote in the Revelation. And what John does in his gospel is he elevates Jesus. He wants us to know who Jesus is as he celebrates and brings to light Jesus in all of his deity, in all of his Godhead. Now, if you missed last week's message I want to encourage you to go back and watch it. We launched our John series, a series on the Gospel of John, a little bit early last week because of some of the COVID stuff and some changes we made. And last week, I preached a message on the thesis of the Gospel of John. It comes from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, where John said, there's a whole lot of things I could have written. I could have filled books with all of the stories I could have told about Jesus. But these things I've written, I recorded these signs so that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that you might believe in him and have life. And so the thesis of the the Gospel of John, I kind of laid out last week, and it really would, because we're gonna spend quite a bit of time in John. So if you have time to download that, watch it on your computer, uh, listen to the podcast, uh, Matthew's got that in all kinds of places. Uh, If you've got time, listen to that, and that'll help lay the foundation for what we're gonna be doing. This is the first week that I'd planned on preaching uh, from the Gospel of John, and we're gonna start out in John chapter uh, one, verse one. And we're gonna be dealing with uh, Uh, This next several weeks, in fact a couple months, the theme that that we're going to see is the Word became flesh. John is talking about Jesus who is God who came down to earth to dwell among us. And so if you would turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 13 is going to be today's text. The scripture says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came, on, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. What an incredible prologue, launch John gives us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, The story of Jesus. Now, John's gospel, as we said last week, is unlike the rest of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written to give us more of a historical account. Matthew and Luke, in in particular, give us a genealogy. They go all the way back to Adam and Eve and and talk about where Christ came from, and they're looking at his physical descent. John, in in a very real way, gives us a genealogy, but he gives us a different kind of genealogy. He wants us to understand that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. Now that Jesus was God when he stepped on this earth and he walked among us. And in fact, in the beginning, Jesus was God. It, he uses a, a strange phrase here. A, 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 a word that is uh, strange to our ears. Because he, he identifies Jesus with the word, and you'll see it capitalized in most of your versions. There's no question that he's talking about Jesus as the man uh, here, or that Jesus in, in his personhood. Uh, but when he refers to the word uh, as he uh, later on, but but it's a little strange to our ears. It's a strange concept. the 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 language here, there's two different, at least two different words in Greek for a word. Okay, a word that is a construction of letters. So like we have on these signs up here. This row is closed. That word closed, you know, that's, that's six letters put together and it has meaning to us. That is a, a, a printed word. There's a Greek word called rhema that is used to define, to describe that. If when we speak of a word, that's what we're talking about, the, the rhema. This word that is translated word carried a whole lot larger meaning. It is the Greek word Logos. And you, you find it in a lot of our English language, kind of rooted in uh, our studies, like psychology. It's the, the study, the breadth of all of the, 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 the things of the mind, of the brain. And, and so the, the word logos to the Greeks was, was not just about printed letters on a page or uh, a construction of syllables. The word logos was about an idea, a philosophical thought. A, a, it was the principle of all of the reasoning of all of the universe. So, If you want to wrap up all of thought and all of reasoning and, and, and all of meaning in the universe or all of meaning in a particular realm, it would be the logos. And, and that's, that's kind of how we connect in our English language to the study of something. And so uh, to the Greeks, it had this idea that it was, it was this huge, meaningful truth and that that doesn't, I mean, we're not too far away from that in the Gospel of John, because John is going to say that Jesus is the truth. Uh, many times, and in fact, that's going to be a theme in the Gospel of John. So all of truth, all of the reality of, 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 of this huge philosophical thought is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. But it, the word logos didn't just have meaning to the Greeks, though it was a Greek word, it also had meaning to the Hebrews because for them it kind of equated to the Word of God. The word of God that was an expression of his divine power, of God's wisdom. And, and thus, in Hebrew thought, when, when scripture says that God's word will never return void, that God's word, once it leaves his mouth, it is effective, it is powerful, it accomplishes something. It it's even goes back to the idea of the creation story, which clearly John is connecting us to with his first words in this gospel, when he says, in the beginning, that that." Conjures up the first few words in Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And so John is making that connection there. And God, in the beginning, spoke as he created. He spoke through his words into existence, light and darkness. God spoke the world into existence. It came through his declared word. His word was powerful. Now, I didn't mention this in the first service, but it's not the word itself that's powerful It's because it was rooted in God. And so don't, don't take me down that road of the word of faith movement that somehow uh, just the word is where the power comes from. The, the, the power is rooted in God. Jesus was referred to the word because he was God. And that gets us to the first point here. Jesus is God from before time. And notice I did not say Jesus was God from before time. Because Jesus was God before time. Jesus was God at the beginning at creation. Jesus was God when he walked on the earth. Jesus is still God now. And Jesus forever will be God. Jesus is God. And so John here doesn't leave any room for for question about what he believes. He says, in the beginning was the word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Well wait a minute, what about that second phrase there? It it almost sounds like it says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God as though he was a separate entity that was with God, not that he was God. But then he turns right around in the third phrase and says, but he was God. So which is it? Is Jesus with God as a separate entity or was Jesus God himself? And the answer to that question is yes. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Now, my human brain has a hard time understanding that God could be two in one. And in fact, John is gonna flesh it out later on that God's really three in one because the spirit of God is also one with Christ and one with the Father. And so the Holy Spirit also, the third person of the Trinity as we refer to to him, is also God. Now, just because my human brain cannot calculate that and figure it out does not mean it's not true. I'll be honest. In all of my years of theology, I I cannot say with confidence that I've ever fully understood the triune God. But I've come to be okay with that. Because if I could figure him out, if I could define him, then in some ways it would put me in a position above God and I'm not God. My brain is not smart enough. My thought is not as high as his, it's not as grand as his. God is higher than me. He's smarter than me, he's grander than me, he's more powerful than me. And so for John to say in what seems like almost conflicting statements here to me and my little pea brain, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, even though my brain can't fully understand it, that does not mean it is not true. There's a lot of things my brain can't fully understand that are still true. I still have not figured out how electrons crawl across the, uh, the, the surface of a copper wire almost instantaneously when I flip a switch to bring the lights on. I doubt there's many of us in here that can fully understand that, but it does. So just because my mind, human reasoning cannot rationalize it does not make it untrue. The truth is, Jesus was God in the beginning, which means he he wasn't created at the beginning, he was already there. Jesus is fully God in the beginning and he was with God in the beginning. The second thought that I wanna bring to you out of this text is that Jesus also is the light of the world. Now verse three, uh, it deals with what what we're gonna do with third, and I I did this on purpose because John speaks of how Jesus is the creator in verse three and then he comes back to that now in verse 10, and so I, I wanna look at that next verse. In him, in verse four, was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus is the light of the world. It is through him that this world can see what's black and what's white, what is true and what's not true. Henry Black could be using an illustration in his experience in God's study when he said that uh, you know, the disciples, uh, Jesus was asleep in the bow of the boat when a big storm hit and the, the boat was being overwhelmed with the wind and the waves and the, the disciples thought the boat was about to sink and they're bailing water out and Jesus still laying on a pillow in the front of the boat sleeping. And they, they cried out, they, they, they shouted what they believed to be true. When they woke up Jesus said, Jesus we're sinking we're, we're going to drown. Everything that they knew because of what they understood, they were fishermen, they'd been out on that water before in the storm. They believed that they were going to sink and drown. They thought that was true. But the truth, as Henry Blackaby said, was asleep in the bow of the boat. And when Jesus woke up and he stood up and he said, "Oh ye of little faith, and he cried out, Peace be still, and the storm stopped. Because Jesus is the one who is the truth and Jesus is the one who brings light to show what is real and what is true in every circumstance in life. Jesus is the light of the world. As Kevin mentioned earlier, I talked about in the first service, we, right now we're living in a world that seems to be overwhelmed with darkness. These seem to be dark times. There seems to be a lot of untruth out there. Last night I had called my brother. Many of you know is a, a veteran police officer with, with uh, Austin PD, Austin Police Department, and uh, he was on his way into work. He is a leader of, he's actually a leader of an organized n- crime narcotics unit, but everybody's kind of been called in. It's kind of all hands on deck right now with rioting and protest, and there was all kinds of intelligence. Some of it was out on the news. None of this is, is you know, private stuff. Uh, that There were at least seven different groups that were going to be protesting slash rioting and trying to stir things up in Austin. Uh, last night, and they actually were bringing in uh, DPS troopers, they were bringing in uh, the, the sheriff's department, and uh, Bobby was going to be, his team uh, from organized crime was going to be there, and, uh, and he uh, sent me a feed, a live video feed of uh, social media of somebody who was actually embedded or walking around with the protesters, I, I actually watched a couple feeds, in fact, I, I spent way, way too much time watching some of this last night, uh, But I was instrawled by just the darkness, the craziness. The majority of what was going on were just young adults, basically, uh, marching through the streets of Austin, shouting horrible uh, language at anybody in authority. Police officers. Uh, the, the Austin City Council has moved to defund the police department, but a couple of city councils aren't fully in favor of defunding the police department, and so they were marching on one of the city councilman's, uh, city councilwoman's house, and they were standing outside her window and shouting all kinds of obscene words and and horrible things to them. And, and I found myself just wanting to. Uh, you, you, of course, there's a comment feed, just like on our on our website right now or on Facebook when you're watching this live stream. There was a comment feed going on. And I wanted so badly just to engage and say, but, but don't you see this? Don't you see the truth? Don't you understand what's going on? But I recognize that there's really little to no value in that right now. When, when someone is walking in darkness, when they have chosen to ignore Christ... And they've turned away from him, and they've slammed the door on him, and they've chosen to walk in darkness. They can't see the truth. Once Christ comes into a life, when Christ and his truth is entered into a, a situation, a light shines on that. And, 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 when, and you can't dispel that light, so you have to do one of two things with the light. You either have to turn and run from it and try to hide from it, or you have to try to shout it out of existence. And so what I see happening in, in, these, uh, in some of these circumstances is just that. You see people trying to shout down the light. They're trying to drown it out with their voices by making their voices louder and louder and louder and more vile language. Or you see them run from the light. That's what John says is going to happen in, in John chapter 3. In fact, some of Jesus' words are that you know the light came into the world and people who do evil deeds didn't like the light. So they went and they hid in the darkness. And, and what Jesus does is he brings light into the world. And ultimately, you're only going to be able to walk in truth. You're only going to be able to see the truth when you walk in the light. But if someone does not have the light, if they don't, can't see the truth, there's nothing that I can do or you can do to convince them of that. That light, truth, comes from Christ himself. John also tells us that Jesus... Is the creator. He says there in verse uh, 3, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing that was created has been created. Then he comes back to that idea in verse 10. He was in the world. The world was created through him. And yet, the world did not recognize him. Jesus makes it, I mean, John makes it very clear here that Jesus was God. At the very beginning. In fact, Matthew uh, read from uh, Colossians chapter 1. It was one of the great hymns of the early church uh, that spoke of all things were created uh, of him and through him and for him. Jesus was there at the very agent. He was a very start. He was part of creation. He is the creator. In fact, not a single thing, John says, that was created was created apart from him. So everything that was created, you and me, the the stars, the skies, the universe, the water, the air, the mountains, all the glory of of creation that we see was created for him and through him and by him. And Jesus was there at the very beginning. He is the creator. Once again, John is going to leave us without any question whatsoever that Jesus is God. That he was God at the beginning, and he's still God now. But the amazing thing John says here in verse 10 is, even though he was the creator, his creation did not recognize him. When the God of the universe stepped out of heaven to be born of a virgin and to walk among men, those whom he created did not even recognize who he was. And that's why John sets out to write this gospel that we might know and that we might understand. His creation didn't recognize him. And even more specifically, John says, and he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Who, who were those? Who, creation didn't recognize him, but his own people didn't even receive him. Who were those people? John here clearly is speaking about the, the Jewish people. Now, God had chosen that particular lineage, that particular race from the time of Abraham, when he, from the time of Abram. I should use his name before God changed it. When God called Abram out of his homeland and offered him a promised land, and he told him, I'm gonna make your descendants greater than all of the stars. You're going to have more descendants in the sand of, uh, of the seashores. I'm going to bless you. And it is through you that I am going to send someone who's going to redeem the world. It's through you that I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send the Redeemer. And God made that promise to Abraham. And it was God's choice. God chose those people. It, it wasn't that God did not value all the other races all the other nationalities, all the other people of the world who were also created by him. God also valued them, but God was only going to send one Messiah. He was only going to send his son one time. He wasn't sending multiple Messiahs. He was sending one. And he told Abram, I have chosen you. And I'm going to send my son through your lineage. And so God chose that those people, and yet in choosing them, they got to experience all kinds of wonderful, miraculous signs throughout centuries and even millennia of time. They got to see God's handiwork. These same people, beginning with Abram, got to see miracles such that in his old age, after his wife was far past childbearing years, he and his wife had a son, and it was through that son that God was going to bring a savior. He saw God provide a a special sacrifice when he had taken his son up on the mountain. That that, This this people, God's own people, got to see the parting of the Red Sea. They got to see the plagues happen in Egypt. They got to see water come out of a rock. They got to see the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. They, They got to hear from Elijah and Elisha and see the miracles and the signs that were brought about. This chosen people are the ones through whom God sent the prophets over the years and continued to declare prophecies about who Jesus was, hundreds of them. And then Jesus was born fulfilling all of those prophecies and his people still did not recognize him. And because of that, they did not receive him. Jesus came, just as it was predicted. He was born to a Jewish man and woman. He was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He fulfilled the prophecies of someone who came out of Egypt. And they still did not receive him. Now, that doesn't mean... None of the Jewish people received him. Certainly, some did. Just in a few weeks, we're going to look at John chapter 3 and see the story of Nicodemus, one of the great Jewish leaders, one of the Pharisees who recognized something special about Jesus. And it was to to Nicodemus that that when he came asking questions in the night that Jesus told him, he said, look, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. (laughs) This great exchange. How How can I be born again? I'm an old man. How can I go back into my mother's womb? Jesus talks about how we can be born of the Spirit. When he, when he talks to Nicodemus about that. So there were some. that You had the followers, you had the disciples who eventually chose to follow Jesus. And so though his people as a whole did not follow him, did not receive him, a few did, but not many. And Jesus, even in his three-year ministry, began to open the door to the Gentiles, those who were not his people, to receive him. His chosen people, those whom God chose from Abram, until the birth of Christ rejected him. But look what he says in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name. And this is the fourth point. Jesus came to reclaim his people. Jesus stepped out of heaven... God himself, born of a virgin, walked on this earth and and shined his light on all, on everyone, verse nine says, so that those who would receive him could become children of God. I think there's there's something extremely important here. There's, There's two things that I wanna communicate here very carefully. The first one is this. Not everyone is a child of God. Our our feel-good Christianity in our world today likes to say something like this. Well, we're all, all of the world are children of God. No, we're not. We're all, all human beings. Every single human being bears God's image to some extent. But that image has been tarnished by sin. It's been tarnished by sin from the beginning, is a part of the human race, and it has been tarnished by our own sin. So not every human being is a child of God. Every human being is created in his image, but only those who receive him, who who accept this Jesus whom he sent and believe in him, only they become children of God. And so scripture teaches us here that not everybody is a child of God, but Jesus came and offered that opportunity to everyone. His light shone on all people. Now, I know that there's varying theologies here. And there's even varying theologies within our own congregation. About the atonement of Christ. But I believe that John in particular is going to emphasize what, what would be referred to as the unlimited atonement of Christ. That Christ shed his blood for all people and that his blood was enough to cover the sins of every single human who has ever lived, who has ever sinned. Not all are saved because not all believe and receive the son whom God sent, but all have the opportunity to become children of God. And so Jesus came to offer that gift to us verse 12 but to all who did receive him he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name Jesus came offering you and I the most amazing incredible opportunity that we could ever imagine in fact it's unimaginable me, someone who has sinned against God, someone who, who I know the thoughts that are in my head, I know the garbage that, that oftentimes uh, comes up in my life, I know the anger, I know the frustration, I know some of those things that, that are all about me. And I know that because of my sin, Scripture says that I'm separated from God, My sin created an incredible divide. Because he is holy, I cannot stand before a holy God because of my unholiness, because of my sin. But he came and he offered me an incredible gift. And he did it through his son, Jesus. He came and said, if you will, first of all, believe what my word says about who my son is. You believe that that Jesus is God. That Jesus came and He died for you. That that you, you first have to believe it, and then second, receive it. Accept, put your faith and trust in Him. That ultimately means more uh, than, than just believing, because it means that there's got to be a change in my life. That if He is God. I'm not God, and that means i got to change my way of thinking and i got to change my way of acting. That also includes repentance. It means that I turn away from where I was headed, things I was doing, the way I was living in this world, and I accept that Jesus is Lord, that he is God, and that he died on a cross for me, that I might become a child of God if I'll do that. For those who do that, you are adopted then into the family of God. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer a part of the kingdom of darkness. You now are a part of the kingdom of his glorious light. You you are transferred from the family of Adam who is dying because of sin into the family of, of God, into the family of Christ who now has eternal life and will never die. You are offered the gift to become a child of God. And as a child of God, it's nothing that you can work up. It's nothing that comes natural out of your human nature. And so verse 13 says, These are people who were born, not of natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. To become a child of God, you've got to become born of God. Born of his spirit. Made new by his spirit, who washes you and indwells you and empowers you and enables you. And John's gonna continue this theme as we walk through the Gospel of John and that's, that's why he chose Nicodemus' story. And he's gonna tell us all about that when we get to John chapter three, what it means to be born, not just of the, the blood, not just of natural ways, but to be born of the Spirit. But for us to become a child of God, it requires that we receive him and believe in him and follow him, follow Christ as our leader. Not all become children of God. Not all people today are children of God. Not all people will become children of God, but the offer is made to all. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his only begotten son for that very purpose. You and I have that privilege and that opportunity to become a child of God, to be adopted into his eternal family with all of the, the benefits that come of being a child of God today in our relationship with him and all the benefits that come of being an heir of Jesus Christ into eternity. And through him, we gain that eternal life. I promised you I didn't want to leave you hanging. So the last verse of that beautiful song. says, I thought when I saw my Redeemer. Oh, glory to God. Can you imagine that moment when you step into the gates of heaven and you get to see Jesus? I thought when I saw my Redeemer. Oh, glory to God. I fell right down before him singing praise to the name of the Lord. I bowed down and worshiped Jehovah, my friend of Calvary. For I wanted to give praise to Jesus for saving a sinner like me. Then I bowed on my knees and cried, Holy, holy, holy. I clapped my hands and sang, Glory, glory. Glory to the Son of God. I want to encourage you today as you've heard this message from the prologue of John. That if you don't know for certain that you are a child of God. You have any question, any doubt about that in your mind. Please reach out to Kevin or I or someone else on the staff. I'd love to talk to you about that. See the truth is unless you're adopted into God's family. Unless you become a child of God. You don't have eternal life. You don't have a hope in a future. You're still an orphan from God. You're separated. And your only hope of eternal life is through the one and only Son whom God sent. There are no other ways. There's no other way to join the family of God. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to eternal life except through the one and only Son whom God sent to deliver you. And He's offered you this incredible free gift. If you're watching us from online I'd encourage you to reach out through our website. You can, If you'd like to sit down it, it, we'll take appointments. I'd love to meet with you during the week. The offices are open. All you got to do is call. Or reach out through our prayer request or our contact page. If you're here today and, and you're not certain get in touch. Grab Kevin or I and, and, and Matthew or one of us and let us talk to you about it. Traditionally, we have an invitation. Every time the gospels is preached, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel message before we leave this place. But with the pandemic and the COVID stuff, we're not doing that right now. And so I, I, I beseech you, if, if you don't know for sure where you stand in your relationship with Christ, get it settled. Don't, don't let this day pass without dealing with that. Would you stand with me? Matthew's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of worship and a time of response as you pray through what God's speaking to you about. And then uh, Victoria will lead us in a closing prayer.